Well, good morning. We are in Signs to the Church, Part 5, a series that we're doing on the seven churches in the book of Revelation that is found in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. We call it Signs to the Church because signs have a lot of function in our world. There's signs that kind of point us in direction, like, hey, here's the restroom, go down over here, or upcoming, there's like a falling rock sign. I love those give you kind of a warning. There's signs that give you instruction. If you walk into desktop or any business right now, you'll see a big long poster that says, hey, we're not responsible for uh, for you catching COVID or any deaths that might respond um, come from that just because you come in our building. So those are warning signs. There's biohazard signs. You see signs all over the place. There's even signs that give you instruction on what to, how to order, what to do, so when Jesus was talking to the churches in Revelation, those seven churches in Asia Minor, he was doing four things. One, he was saying, hey, well done, the commendation. This is what you're doing well. Then he would say, hey, there's a condemnation. This is what I see that maybe you're missing the mark or maybe you need a little bit of change here. You need to correct this. Then there's a warning. What happens if we don't correct these things? Then there's the reward. The reward is the part we love to talk about. Here's what's happened if you're victorious, if you remain faithful. And what's awesome about this whole series is not only was it signs to those seven churches, but it's signs to you and I as the church and our church, Kennesaw Family Life Church, but also the church as a whole. In our world, in our country, these things are universal. Jesus was talking to them at that moment, but he was also talking to us at this moment. So what can we learn from these seven churches? What can we learn from these signs? We know that there have been some that have done really well, but yet maybe allowed false teachers in, or there have been people that would cause disruption. If you remember back to, uh, I believe it was the church in Smyrna, there was no condemnation at all. It was just, hey, we see the persecution that you're going through, keep going. Well, today is kind of a little bit of the reverse of that because Sardis in uh, Revelation 3, 1 through 6, the first thing that came to mind when I saw or read through the passage was danger, Will Robinson, danger. If you remember the TV show, the old TV show Lost in Space, the robot would say that to, to young Will all the time, danger, Will Robinson. Well, that's kind of what came to mind when I thought this warning bells are going off if you're in your car, lights would be flashing, say, hey, get this thing fixed, things aren't right. All those buzzers and sounds that you don't want to hear were going off when I read this. So I want to look at Revelation 3, 1 through 6, and see what Jesus said to the church at Sardis. He said, write this letter to the angel of the church of Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know the things you do that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis 
who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce them before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. This is the most direct warning that we found with the seven churches. It's the first one where there's been no commendation. We've had ones that didn't have any condemnation, but it's the first one that had no commendation. Jesus didn't come and say anything like, hey, well done for anything. That's kind of scary. That's where the warnings come in. Sardis was a military stronghold in Asia Minor, and, and, and many thought that it was impregnable, that it was this stronghold, although history tells us that it was defeated twice, that it was taken over twice. But it's such a, such a unique, I don't know if they were focused on their strength or what, but for whatever reason, what took root in them and began to grow with the gospel was now starting to die. So the first thing today, the commendation is, you look alive, but you're dead. That's not something that we want. To look alive, have you ever gone into the woods and you see a tree and the tree looks like it's growing but you come up and touch it and the bark falls off or you can almost push your hand through it because on the inside it's dying maybe there's one or two shoots of of branch left but it, it's dying it's almost completely gone that's kind of the image that i see here the church looks like it's healthy it looks like it's alive but when you dig in a little bit deeper you find that things aren't so good. I don't know if they were complacent and just kind of got stuck where they were. We don't really know what was causing them to stumble in that way. I want you to notice it has nothing to do with great sin or worshiping idols. It wasn't the big things. You know, a lot of times uh, in our culture today, we're like, well, you know what? I, I, I don't drink a lot of alcohol, I'm not a drunkard, I'm not a drug addict, I'm not sleeping around, so I'm good, right? I'm a good person. Well, see, the problem is the things that we see on the outside don't always reflect what's on the inside. And that's what was happening in Sardis. Sardis looked good, it had all the bells and whistles, it looked like a great church, had everything going for us, but it had no relationship with God on the inside. Its relationship was shriveling up and dying. And, and Jesus was saying, hey, you got to wake up a little bit. You know, he talked about these things a little bit when he talked about the Pharisees. That's kind of what it reminded me of, Jesus and his relationship with the Pharisees. See, I think as we go along in our relationship with God, if we're not growing or nurturing that relationship, we become numb to the things of God. We just kind of go through life. We go through the motions but we're really not there. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I feel dead inside? That's kind of what it makes me think of, that, man, we, we lack that connection to God. We lack that connection to the Spirit. We're there. We're doing all the right things. Maybe we're even involved in ministry. I can't tell you how many pastors come to a place where they're just dead inside. They're doing all the right things, but lack relationship. 
they lack that touch with the Holy Spirit. So they're going through the motions. They become numb. Sardis looked like the real deal. Looked like the place you'd want to go. Like I said, it reminded me of the Pharisees a little bit. Now Jesus was spoke most of his things against the Pharisees because they be, they were the ones that were so cautious about the law. They were so religious in how they followed the law, but they didn't. They lacked that relationship with God. They had to have everything right, and they were the ones that created all those laws that even man could not keep up with. They couldn't even keep up with. And they were putting people into the bondage of the law. So here's what Jesus said. I'm going to look at a couple passages of Matthew 23. But I'm going to look at Matthew 23, 27 through 28. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly... Your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. It's easy for us to get to a place where we've served God so long, but we've forgotten our relationship. We go through the motions. And then what happens is we get jaded and bitter a little bit. I've seen this happen in churches that where people have been Christians for years, maybe they they started the church and, and they went on and and things started to change and it wasn't exactly the way they, they thought it should be and they were caught up in all the traditions and, and, and the man-made things that we did and kind of lost the fervency for the gospel and who Jesus is and what it means to be full of the Spirit. And, and on the outside, they look like they've got it all together, they've got their hands raised in worship, and I believe that in a way that they're sincere, but they've lost that spark and that relationship with God. It's been more about, well, I've been doing this for a long time, so I'm good, that they just lose sight and become complacent or jaded or bitter. And that's a place that's really scary to me as we grow in our relationship with God that, that it's so important that we keep that relationship with God fresh on a daily basis, that we don't forget what it was like when we first came to Christ, the excitement, the joy, the newness. Yeah, we've read Scripture a lot. There's still a lot more that we can learn. Yeah, we've done ministry for a long time, but there's still more that we can learn. And we need to remember that there is a generation of people around us that don't know Christ and they're waiting and looking for people that will pour into them. And yeah, they're not going to look like we look. They're not going to do or say things like we do. But they need the love of Jesus more than ever. And when we get to this place of complacency, when we get to this place where we're numb, where we look like we've got it all together, but we've lost those things, then we're in danger of dying. We've seen it happen to churches throughout our country. They've refused to to reach out. They refuse to grow in that relationship with God. They, They so internalized that they shriveled up and died. They look like a church. They look like they had a relationship with God, but on the inside they were dying. 
See, Jesus cares more about what's happening in our hearts than what we look like on the outside. You ever heard somebody say the term, well, I'll come to church when I get everything else straightened up. I, I can't come to church like this. I, I'm broken. I'm, I'm sinful. I'm all these things. I'll come to church when I get everything together. That's actually the complete opposite of what should happen. We come to church to find Jesus no matter what state we're in. Broken, hurting. The church is like a hospital for the sinner and the dying. If you're dying in your sin, the first place you should go is the church. And the church, instead of being this empty husk of a thing, should be alive and accepting and wrapping their arms around that person that, that isn't like them, but so desires to know God. So desires to know His presence. The church has gotten better about this over the years as far as accepting people in. But it happens very easily and, and, and people have bought into the lie that they had to be perfect to come to church. When the truth is, we've got to clean the inside first. Look at this in Matthew 23, and this is actually a couple of verses before the ones I just read. Verses 25 and 26 says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What's important isn't how well you do everything that you follow all the rules and that you dress the right way and that you look the right way. That you know when to stand up and sit down and when to raise your hands and when to say amen. Even that you can quote all the scripture. What's important is that your heart's changing on the inside. That you're growing in the relationship with God. That all that scripture that you memorized is changing you. That it's not just there as memory but it's a part of your heart. So when you get to that place, no matter who walks through the door, you have a love for them that comes through the Holy Spirit and through Christ. You don't immediately just judge them. Oh, well, look at what they're wearing. I've heard people say that. Look what they're wearing. How dare they wear that to church? How dare they do that? I remember years ago, I taught on something simple to, uh, similar to this to our leadership team in youth ministry. And we have been talking about loving people no matter what they look like, no matter what they do. And I, I kind of, kind of a mean youth pastor and, and uh, planted somebody in our youth service. They came in, they were a teenager, they had ratty clothes on, told them not to talk to anybody at all, just to come in and sit down. See if anybody would talk to them. See if anybody would, would say anything to him. And, and his clothes were terrible. And what I told him was, if anybody talks to you, tell them that you're hungry. Tell them that you need clothes. That you need a shirt. And the sad thing was, my leadership team, we just taught on that story 
about where Jesus said, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I needed clothes, you gave me clothes. And everybody came into the youth group and, and we had a good sized youth group and people were milling around and everything and this poor young man was sitting up front and nobody talked to him, not a single person. So we got everybody calmed down, you know, service was about to start and I came up and I walked up to him and I said, hey, it's your first time here, right? He's like, yeah. I said, can I do anything for you? He said, I'm hungry. I said, well, get him some pizza. We sold pizza in the back. I said, man, it looks like you need a shirt. Can somebody get him a shirt? We had some shirts for our youth group. It's all part of the plan. I'd hope that somebody in my leadership team would do it. I said, man, did anybody talk to you today? He said, no, nobody said anything to me. And those that were a part of our leadership team, some of them were starting to cry because they realized what had just happened. That we were so focused on all of our own stuff and our own things that we missed the one that was hurting that came into our midst. We've got to be focused on the inside. No matter who walks in our doors, no matter what happens, we've got to make sure that we love and care for them, that it's what's on the inside that matters. All of us are broken and hurting. All of us have stories of how Jesus has changed our lives. Some of them are more dramatic than others. Some of us have been drug addicts. Some of us have been adulterers. Some of us have been liars and thieves. And you can throw it all out there. Not one of us is innocent of those things. So when somebody comes in, it's not about the outside, it's about the inside. We do it in reverse sometimes. We see somebody come in that dresses nice, drives a nice car, and we treat them like gold. But they're just as broken and hurting and need something on the inside. So it's about the inside first. The church in Sardis had everything on the outside looked great, but in the inside they were dying, they were dead. Jesus said, man, whoa, look out because you're this close to being completely dead. There's just a little bit of life. I think of the Princess Bride when he says, mostly dead. Just a little bit of hope. So that brings us to the warning. Warning is simply this, you won't be ready. If you look through Scripture, there's not, there, the term rapture isn't in there, but it talks about the coming of Christ and that He'll take His church out when He comes again. That The image that we get here is that they won't be ready. Look at verse uh, 3, the second half, 3b. It says, Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as an unexpected as a thief. The image here is the church won't be ready when Jesus comes back. They won't be ready for whatever God has for them. That they're going to miss what God is doing because they're not ready. Their hearts are almost dead. It's been more than 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth. And sometimes we get complacent and we forget that He said He could come back at any time. Like a thief. 
that's not just for the church in Sardis. That's for the church as a whole. We need to be ready. We need to be expectant that Jesus could come today. At any moment. Are you ready? Do you look like you're ready? Do you look like you got everything going on the outside, but on the inside you're just dead? And allow the Holy Spirit into your life. Is it always going to feel fuzzy and perfect? No. But when we dig into the Word of God and we spend time with God in prayer and we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, we have a connection and relationship. We are alive in Christ. That's how we endure all this stuff. That's how we could have crazy elections and pandemics and all of that and not waver because our, our focus isn't on those things. Our focus is on our relationship with God because what's on the inside is a whole lot stronger and more powerful than what's on the outside. Jesus is saying, warning, if you don't wake up, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss me. I think of it this way. Maybe you, maybe this is just my experience, but remember your parents would take away, go away for the evening. Maybe they were going out or going to visit friends or whatever. And this is when you obviously are a little bit older and they say, hey, before we get home, we want you to clean the house. You need to get your chores done. And if you were like me, growing up, the first generation of the video game generation had my Atari out, maybe Nintendo, and or watching a movie or something, or calling my friends or whatever that may be just lost in my own little world but time would go by and I'd be like oh I can do that later I can do that later I'll get to it later and the next thing you know we didn't have a garage the next thing you know the headlights of the car are turning in the driveway and you've got nothing ready in that moment of panic and you're trying to wipe things down you're trying to put things away and you knew you're busted you've missed it you ever had that feeling We put things off and we put things off and we put things off and we're not ready when Jesus comes. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about it this way, the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And 25, 1 through 13, says, The kingdom of heaven will be like the ten bridesmaids who who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or hour of my return. We've got to be ready. We've got to take care of the inside far more than we take care of the outside.
I'm more concerned about what Jesus thinks of me than what others think of me. That's not always true. And I've struggled with that over my life because I want to give a good impression to others. But I want to be known for knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Him and how I serve and love than I do and how well I look at doing what I do. I want the inside to be clean. That's why our relationship with God is so important. That's why every week we drill in. You've got to know the Word of God. You've got to spend time with Him in prayer. You've got to be at a place where you have relationship with Him, that you dig those roots down deep in Him. We've been talking about this for almost a year. From our series in Colossians all the way through to this point, we've talked about digging our roots deep into God so that we grow from the inside out. That nutrients that comes from putting our lives into Him flows from the inside, and that's what comes out. That's what we want to see. So clean the inside first. Get the inside ready first so that the outside will be clean too. We'll be ready. So just like in the illustrations of the ten bridesmaids, they, five of them weren't ready. Five of them had to go and get things ready. It's kind of like the parents driving in the driveway. The garage door goes up and you freak out. They weren't ready. Except for their consequences were eternal. When you didn't get the dishes washed or the clothes put away or whatever that may be, you got in trouble. You might have got grounded. You might have not gotten allowance. Whatever those consequences were. But these are much bigger. Jesus was saying to the church in Sardis, you look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. You're dying. Return to me. Return to me. Repent and grow back to the things that you did at first. Go back to your first love. See, the beauty of a new relationship with God is you want everybody to have it. Something happens later on where we, we get to this place where we feel like we've got it and we just look on those down on those that, that don't have it. If we get into that place where we start to die inside and we get caught up in our own legalism, then we look down on those that don't have a relationship with Christ. When the truth is, we should look at the people that don't know Christ with the most compassion and love. Some of you know that I occasionally go on a, a motorcycle ride with a group of guys on guys and girls on Monday nights down to homeless communities in, in Atlanta. You know, the person living under the bridge needs Jesus just as much as the CEO of a company needs Jesus just as much as I need Jesus. We're all the same. It's the inside that matters. Focus on your relationship first. That's the warning. That's what we have to do. So our final point today is the reward. What happens if we get this right? Our names will be forever in the book of life. Our names will be forever in the book of life. Look at this, verses 4 and 5. It says, Yet there are some in church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white. White clothes were a sign of purity. They were a sign of victory. For they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life. 
but I will announce them before my Father and the angels that they are mine. Our reward will be eternity, that Jesus will announce us before the Father, that He'll say, hey, these are my children. These are the ones that have been victorious. These are the ones that are right with you and I. They get it. The imagery is celebration and pride that Jesus will have for us. We'll be, great, we'll be given great honor. We'll be celebrated. I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting that Jesus would say, well done and celebrate us. We'll be clothed in white. We'll be victorious. That's the goal. That's what's amazing. We cannot become lazy and complacent in our relationship with God and think, oh, we've got it. And we've got to keep that relationship fresh so we don't begin to die. Those things that we don't feed begin to die. If we're not feeding our lives with a relationship with God, with His Word, with fellowship, with the Holy Spirit, then we're beginning to die. We've got to keep it fresh. His actual words said he would not remove our names from the book. The book of life is this thing that has been talked about even as far back as Exodus. That our names would be written down in this log book that says all that have relationship with God, that all are counted in the kingdom. Again, the sobering thought is, is that our names could be removed. It says that He will not remove our names, which gives the implication that if we don't grow, if we start to die, if we die spiritually, I'm talking about physically, spiritually die, that our names will be removed from that book. I don't want that. I want each and every one of our names to be etched there forever. I want them to be written there in permanent ink that can't be removed because we've taken the hunger and desire we have to grow in God and made it our priority that we focus first on the inside so that what we do on the outside will reflect Him. We've got to focus first on the inside so that what we do on the outside will reflect Him. We've got to keep our relationship with God fresh on a daily basis. Again, I'm going to say the same thing I say to you almost every week. The way we do this is to spend time with Him. And I'm going to push it a little bit deeper. I've challenged you to read Scripture. Read it. Go through it. If you need to read through the Bible through fully in a year, use one of those plans on version or other things. Get into the Word of God. But here's the challenge. Don't just read it as a check mark. Because if you read it as a check mark, oh, I read my two chapters today. It's easy to get into a mode where you're thinking about the dozen things that you have to do and you just kind of skim through what you just read. You've done it. I've done it. Schedule time in your life that you can read it, that you can soak in it, that you can marinate in it if you get that image so it becomes a part of you. If you've ever marinated meat or anything like that, the longer it sits in there and soaks, it becomes stronger within it. Allow yourself time to study the Word of God, not just read it.
to let it become a part of you so they can flow out of you. Then begin to walk in the Spirit on a daily basis. We talked about that. That we walk in a place where we're at a relationship with God, that we spent time with Him in prayer, that everywhere that we go, that we are focused on the Spirit, and that if we need to, we can draw from the Spirit in our lives and meet every situation. The Spirit will give us the words to say to the person that we sit down next to or talk to or whatever that may be, that we would speak the words of God, not just our words. That we'd be connected to the Spirit, that at any given moment we'd be ready. That we'd be ready. Are you ready? That's, that's the bottom line. For some of us, this is going to hit a little bit close to home. Because maybe we've been Christian for 10, 20, 30 years. 40 years. But we feel dead inside. That our relationship with God has no, no root. It's time to return back to that place of salvation. It's time to return back to that, that point. And maybe you're new in your relationship with God and you're still trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like. Dig into the Word of God more and more. Surround yourself with other believers that you can ask questions, that you can learn from. That's why we get together on Tuesday mornings with the women to do a Bible study. The men have been getting together on Wednesdays. It's to help us to build relationship and grow together so that we can dig deeper into our relationship with God. Because as much as it's an individual thing, it's also a community thing that we need to be in that community to grow strong. We need people around us to lift us up when we're struggling. God never intended us to do this on our own. He gave us the Holy Spirit first and He gave us the church second. We need each other. So I want to pray with you today. I want to challenge you. If you're feeling dead inside, if you feel like you're starting to just shrivel up, take the time today to commit to God to change what's happening in your life so you can grow and nurture. It's kind of like that planting of the seed and when you're doing prayer and you're allowing the Holy Spirit in, it's like adding water and fertilizer to that so it can grow. Don't just read the Word. Ingest it. Marinate it. Let it become a part of you. And allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to fill you and to give you the strength and the wisdom to do all that's in front of you. Let's clean the inside first. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would move on our hearts today. Lord, forgive us for our complacency. Forgive us for the way that we have kind of become numb to you. And Lord, renew the joy of our salvation. Bring us back to that place where we were at when we first came to you. The joy and the peace, the desire to see everyone around us know you. That Father, when we look at those that are hurting, we don't see the outside. We see the hurt on the inside and we want to just show them your spirit. We want to introduce them to you. 
Give us compassion and grace, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would anoint and touch every person that's on here today, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you give them a desire and a passion to be in your word, that they would engage through the prayer and, and through other means so that even though maybe they're not here in person because of either physical needs or trying to protect themselves during this pandemic, Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen them right now that you would encourage them, that you would touch them, that they would engage with our church, that they wouldn't try and do this on their own. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go before us. We thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you and we thank you for being with us today. Dig into the Bible. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. You never know when Jesus is coming. Don't wait too long. Today is the day. Have a great day.